Hi, this is Claire and the Secret Pregnancy series of the Sovereign Womb podcast. Oh, I've been building up for a long time, it feels. <laughs> Very intense couple of weeks before making this podcast. And I'm also sitting, charging the phone up whilst I'm talking to you and recording on the phone from two little solar panels that I had ordered in that were very affordable, 20 euros or so. Step one in my stepping out from underneath the, the tyranny of the electrical corporations and stepping into free energy. It's quite a, a thing to sit with an appliance that usually plugs into a wall, that plugs into a, a bigger system. And it feels like the most wonderful metaphor of well, gratitude to the cosmos multiplied by independence and living in gift and not having to think about bills and corporations playing, gambling on the stock market and so on. And yeah, the autonomy of energy has been a really huge theme in my recent life. And as I've been gestating, it's been an additionally important theme that I want to hand down, not just take care of a child, but hand down better ways. And I don't want to bring a child up to pay their bills and earn money in a conventional way. I want to edu educate them about the spectrum of what is possible, which is a very vast panoramic infinite spectrum <laughs> and doesn't have to be um, this polemic of doing what we don't fully want to do just in order to pay the rent and pay the bills. So, yeah, these things are really in my beingness <clears throat> just now. Uh, also very much at the forefront of my sentience these past couple of weeks has been the death of my stepmother. This is a, a really um, emotional coming of age, losing my last matriarchal figure in my life. I lost my gran and my mum in 2006 <clears throat> and this is my mum's um, the, the person that my mum handed the baton to essentially um, my mum and dad split up very young sorry when we were young um, they were young enough when they had us in their mid-twenties three siblings and my mum and dad had a very vol volatile and dramatic relationship, partly probably because they'd moved from uh, an affluent urban setting, middle class Glasgow, to the island and had no real heritage to support them subsisting on the island. There was funding at that time to support young families to 
go and be entrepreneurs <laughs> subsisting on the land, bringing up, you know, just buying a flock of sheep and <laughs> set up a vegetable garden and all the rest of it. And wow, yeah, they did it a lot. They did some amazing things. But they always also made an awful mess of the first years of our life. And that continued when my stepmom took the place of my mum. And the family split up and there was, yeah, a lot of mess. Um, but Margaret stood by us as a, a stand-in mother for all those years and continued to nourish and support us when we came to visit over all the years up to now. It's a long time. She and my dad were very, again, volatile initially, but they were, have a very solid relationship and were very solidly settled with each other. So as much as I haven't been super close with her as a mother figure, I've always lived away from home pretty much. But left home at a young age, but there are... There is a lot to digest and let go of in terms of a, a deep love and familial binding that she was a, a, a really core root part of. And again, the losing of a mother or a mother figure is always involves a redrawing of the map. So, yeah, I had coinciding with her downwards descent towards her last days and hours being far away from her I nevertheless felt very connected energetically and had a lot of download about death and about life and birth and gestation and so on I had some extremely strong physical symptoms in inverted commas I'm saying in inverted commas because as you'll know if you listen to my podcast the idea of symptoms isn't really what they are I, I don't define and label things in that way a symptom makes it something that's pathologized essentially and requires a medicine in inverted commas whereas something that the body is expressing out of necessity and out of positive direction to move towards integration and greater health <clears throat> is is not to me what is conventionally perceived as a symptom it's simply a, a continuum and an integral part of a whole plethora of sensations that are going on and this is again if I had been in a conventional medical setting whilst having these symptoms or if I was looking for an external authority to confirm what was going on, like to give me names for it, labels for it, it would have been a very, very different outcome. And I would not be sitting here happily gestating right now at six months. Um, the protocols that demand interference are, are it's not just the protocol and the actions and the medicines that are given to the body but it's the fact that the woman is giving away the, the very power of her body to do what it is meant to be doing what it needs to do and 
that trust is so undermined in women, the trust between her own mind and her own body, her own emotions and her own body. And it's not necessarily easier to live in a woman's body and be completely autonomous and sovereign in one's body. In fact, in lots of ways, it's much more, it would be perceived from the conventional viewpoint as much more difficult in inverted commas or challenging in inverted commas. But it really is none of those things. It's simply the body doing what it has to do in order to reintegrate a mind that has been completely detached from it and a, a conditioning that has been so profoundly distorting what the body is meant to be doing. <laughs> and again, the meant to be doing um, the deeper I go into this path of living in gift rather than earning a wage um, and selling myself of my true identity rather than trying to create a sort of alternative branded identity or even a bureaucratic identity and identifying with that. The more I identify with my true nature and my infinite capacity that that unlocks, the infinite capacity of being able to ride the waves like ride ride the cosmic waves but but ride the waves of things that happen to us things that overwhelm us things that overwhelm the body overwhelm the mind that challenge our trust in ourselves challenge our trust in our body there is nothing more sacred than our own body doing what our own body is meant to be doing there's nothing more sacred than that because it's an integral part of the continuum and of life experiencing life that is throughout the universe that is going on simultaneously throughout the universe <clears throat> and yeah i could talk about so many aspects of this last couple of weeks I, I've, I've been holding back from doing so because i know that some of it would be um let me come at it another way. I, I know that I'm, I'm not trying to say that it would trigger people because that's really not what this is. But lots of people's um, programming kicks in. Like, fortunately, I've only had one person, a close family member, closest family member, who said, oh, you should, you need to go and get checks. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I had to speak quite firmly to ascertain that's not what I'm going to do. And I don't want you saying that to me. What you're doing is you're handing me your fear and I don't want your fear. I don't need it and I don't want it. And your fear, if I wasn't braced ready for it, could do me harm, could physically do me harm. It's very hard for people to understand that. People, especially men, have been very conditioned into having fear as a means of taking control of a situation and avoiding like insurance like avoiding um disaster or danger and so on whereas the healthy autonomous man or woman will face all the dangers and will learn from them and come out the other side possibly with a scratch or even a scar or even a finger missing but they will come out the other side much, much more mature, evolved, strong, better immune system, 
etc., etc., etc. And I feel that particularly in gestation, this is the time when these things need to be given even more attention and space and witness. It's more, even more important than usual that we would be witnessing them, as difficult as it might be. And some of the, the strongest feeling that I had this last couple of weeks was actually of physically going into labour and just being at the cusp of labour and possibly descending into miscarriage. That was a really strong moment for me, which happened, happened, not coincident, not coincidentally, but absolutely in tune with my my beautiful stepmother's passing. And once she had passed, and I'd had my emotional outpouring about the conscious awareness of that, the front lobe conscious awareness of that then my body could line up with the whole integrated body of knowing that we're intimately connected, especially with mother figures and other women in the family. Through the womb and the gateway, the portal vibrates with them as much in the negative conditioning as in the, the, lease, the release of life as in in all the areas, in the the ecstasy and fulfilment, the life purpose and the releasing of emotions, the releasing of dis-ease, the releasing of life, the releasing of babies, we're all intimately interwoven from the womb and from our sentience, which is connected to the womb. Look at, I was just talking this morning, um, about the connection between women grimacing whilst they're giving birth and the cervix contracting. And that whole subject is just, you know, that, that should be one of the main focuses for gynaecology. But of course, no, people don't talk about that. It's only the far, far edges of the free birthing community who are able to get their heads around that or, or get their heads out of the way of that, not understanding that and, and let it come through them. The fact that our our mouth and our cervix and our yoni and our throat and our cervix and our yoni are intimately, like literally interwoven, but then also how those aspects of self are interwoven energetically with the other women around us. We are one fabric and the fabric has been pulled apart into separate threads, but it, it still doesn't, st it, that's only on the surface and it can never touch the deeper threads which are this solid solid fabric that when we settle down into awareness of that connectedness and we trust it and we don't like reject it or get into a psyche of fear like oh my god I'm being haunted by my dead mother or etc if we get away from any sort of sense of fear and just fully surrender to it and trust it then it will bring us incredible incredible power and of course I was on the cusp of that I was on the cusp of feeling 
that the child's body head was locking into my cervix and my cervix was being pushed open. I didn't feel contractions, didn't feel any pushing, didn't around my womb and around my sides and above my womb. I just felt that this body was trying to speak to me about leaving, was trying to offer leavingness, was trying to say, should I leave? And it's entirely possible that that was linked to the strong feelings I was having of channeling my stepmom's death and channeling my partner's lack of enthusiasm and support for me whilst I've been pregnant. It's entirely possible that the child was just offering, you know, is this what I'm meant to be doing? Should I be going? Like, is it? Is this the time? And I, I really immersed myself in prayer at the same time as surrendering to the process that if this is important for the child to leave, then I absolutely surrender to them leaving. But I ask my body, mind, spirit, cosmos, I ask God, I ask all the supportive benign agencies and energies and angels and everybody, the collective force of all women and all wombs and all the women in my family and all those who's, who've lived and grown and flourished in the world, please support me to discern and to help my body be really clear about letting go of what needs to be let go of, but keeping life and containing life and flourishing life. It was a really hard, a really hard wave to ride uh, and to not fall off the paddleboard or whatever, this surfboard. <clears throat> and at the same time, of course, that was the time when my stepmom was going through these final phases and all these years and memories and love that we've had with each other had been pouring outwards, pouring away. So, um, yeah, it was very hard to be in a place where for a couple of nights in a row in particular and during the daytime, the day that Margaret was dying, I had these very strong, it was, it wasn't even, and I, if I was going into labour, I, I would not be using the language that's conventionally used. I wouldn't use the word contractions. That's not what it would be, even if it was. I'm just trying to differentiate between what I was feeling was a pressure in the pelvic floor and more specifically a pressure behind my cervix and in a kind of plate at the bottom of my womb space which included the cervix, like a kind of plate which felt rigid and sore. But no, it wasn't sore, it wasn't painful. Um, rigid and, well, just rigid, basically. And then from there, the, the feeling of something, a very specific point where usually I can feel my cervix very clearly just by bringing my attention down to my cervix. There's, a, there's always like a very clear line of communication. I don't have any um, I can't think like interference or uh, it's just a free flow of, of information, inspiration, energy, clean energy <laughs> that comes from my cervix that, that informs me about what's going on in my womb, informs me very clearly. It's like a a satellite dish beaming upwards to me and I've had 
I've had a, a very direct link to my cervix all my, um, even in my childhood, in my adult, early adulthood. <clears throat> I always had this really clear power that felt like a reference point and an anchor and a taproot in the energy of the world that all I had to do was bring my attention downwards and I, I could very clearly, very clearly um, get an answer about what I needed to do or um, just ground myself more in my body or whatever. Yeah, I was quite able to. It was always an important tool for me. And over the years, that tool has become more ample or expansive, more complex and more at the core of my being rather than being just this like, little trick that I could do. Um, so when I was feeling this very strong pushing down from inside my womb down towards the cervix and the yoni, I was trying to feel my anchor. I was trying to connect in and I felt a very particular sensation in my cervix, which if I hadn't, if I had been, again, if I had been in the conventional medicalized setting, those sensations would have led to readings, um, protocols, syringes, <laughs> I don't know, you know, it would lead to certain shit, which I, I don't want to go into because I'm, that's not what would ever happen to me. Um, ultimately, it was very important at this point to, to really just listen to whatever the cervix was telling me that even if it wasn't like just expansive bliss and pleasure and, and all good vibes, it was really important to listen and I could feel that there was some aspect of of death. In fact, I won't go into it too much, but I had very strong particular thoughts that, that were like spontaneous, superficial thoughts that came to me, which I now recognise were very likely linked to my either what my stepmom was thinking or the patterns that she was holding or the patterns that she was trying to hand down and pass on. And my being really sensitive to that was able to discern that that's not my thought and that I don't pick it up. Um, which, yeah, is such a big part of karma that if we're throwing things at other people or trying to give away our negative view of the world to other people, it will come back to us perhaps multiple fold, but it will come back to us very strongly and clearly if it's not for the other person. And <clears throat> I've reminded myself that when I feel people dumping on me, it's always because I have a sensitivity to that and I'm picking it up, I'm taking it. You know, they're offering it and I'm taking it. It's always an offer. It, it never has to be a contraction or a given that a thing 
will be passed from one to the other. And at this time when I was focusing in on my cervix and focusing in on the, the feeling in the bottom of my womb and this feeling of the child's body locking in. Yeah, it was the, the most intense of confrontations because there was nothing else that I could do apart from, well, what I could have done was phone the guy who's the father of the child and get him to go into full-blown panic, get in the car, come and pick me up, take me to the hospital. You know, all that stupid shit. Or I could get on the phone to a doctor somewhere, you know, listen to their crap about separation of mind, body and spirit and cosmos and separation between people. How would I ever begin to have a conversation with them about, well, actually, my stepmom is dying right now. You know, the only way for me to comprehend <clears throat> what was going on with my stepmom was to completely surrender to it and listen to it so that I could find my right relationship with it. I wouldn't find my right relationship with what was going on and the release and the refusal of the contract. I wouldn't have been able to find that if I had been rushing to get external agency to interfere. And again, I just want to be, really clarify this, like the interference of agency between a woman's mind and her womb, between a woman's... <clears throat> functioning gestating womb and the rest of her body um, it isn't possible for that to happen it isn't possible for an agency to interfere in it and that's like such an important part of this you know what I'm sharing here about secret pregnancy and about the sovereign womb the only way that the process can be interfered with pathologized and distorted and turned into a weapon against us is through us having been distorted and turned into a weapon against ourselves, as in there having been some kind of separation between us and our womb. Um, which again, as I've talked about for years on my podcasts, the, the Art of Life podcast and now the Suffering Womb podcast over the time that I've been gestating, The things that are done to us at, at our own birth, even before birth, are myriad, violent and extremely, extremely destructive and intentionally disruptive. Intentionally inverting of our natural power, vitality and identity. And that's a very complex subject that I'm not going to summarise in this particular episode, but Suffice to say, the things that are done to our umbilical, that disrupt our free breathing and our very first breath are intimately linked to, in women, um, men have a different and similar story, but in women, the umbilical is intimately related to our own womb and then to our own children and this long continuum of line timeline of children that come one through the mother, through another, through another, through another. This long line of women all the way down the ages, connected by umbilical and womb, umbilical and womb, umbilical and womb. This chain that we are, a chain of, unbroken chain of folk, but the links are severely compromised. 
because of what is done with the cutting of the umbilical, because of what is done through gynaecology and agencies interfering in our vaginas, literally scraping our cervixes, which should be literally the most sensitive part of the body, the most sensitive part of the whole fucking body. Our cervix should absolutely be that most sensitive part. And of course, the, the sensitivity of it is not a separate thing. It's not like, you know, the way our, again, our body is separated and pathologized into parts. It's not a part, it's the, the center. It's the center of a whole, an activated living whole. So, yeah, in these moments, um, it was very hard to, to fully surrender but fully surrender I did and when it came to the point of fully surrendering I was thinking how can I possibly go through a labour now of a dead child or a child who's not going to survive at six months how can I do that when it's the end of a really really emotionally draining day and I'm thinking consistently about my stepmom and I'm really tired physically and tense from having and and having overeaten and been at a big family dinner with my partner how can I possibly <clears throat> begin to do a labor at this point at this late at night at one in the morning I couldn't sleep I think it was eventually three in the morning by the time I got to to sleep but surrender I did nevertheless um you know one doesn't control labor one can maybe like put it off for a while <laughs> and tense oneself to avoid the elimination reflex. But at the end of the day, you know, I was very aware that I wasn't going to do that and that that wasn't necessary. I was in my bed. I was at home in the right place. Got a great big towel from the back of the house, put it beside the bed, got some liquids and water and so on, sat them there. I got my phone nearby, switched on again, switched the internet on again. And was ready to, okay, if I have to do this, I will do this. <clears throat> but I also strongly, strongly allow myself to be the strong container that I know I can be for this life coming through. And I know that I, I can be that. And I identify primarily with that. I prioritise that feeling. Because I did that. As I went into the feeling and allowed it to really lock in, for that feeling to completely lock in and be, like, fill my whole body and just put all my attention on that feeling of the, the child's head locking in of the body, <clears throat> doing, just trusting it to do what it's meant to be doing, not, not resisting it, not tensing against it, not bracing myself, nothing, just letting it be exactly what it is. At the same time as holding space for life, not being caught in the turmoil of fear of miscarriage, but absolutely just in knowing my power to hold life. And I simply fell asleep. Woke up in the morning, felt much, much better. And... The whole story of that, it's a, it's a lot more complex than that, what happened. And it happened over two days. 
and it involved also the realisation through the phone calls from my dad and my sister that my stepmom had passed. Um, for ease of explaining it, I, I've just simplified it a little into one day and one event. But the next couple of days after my, my dear stepmom passed, these feelings completely left me. They'd been sort of coming closer and closer and closer over a period of two weeks, but then they had these two days in a row of like these very, very strong all through the second day, which was the day that she was actually dying. But these last two days where she went into these very, this very specific phase, which again makes me think of how the, the different phases of gestation, the, the trimesters of gestations are so, so distinct and so... Yeah, well, distinct, distinct from each other and so distinctly, fascinatingly powerful in what they are. <clears throat> Mine will make much more sense if I listen back to these podcasts again. I think I started at the end of the first trimester, the podcasts in this particular series. And... Yeah, just within myself, I can feel a whole like, whoa, now we're into the third phase. Okay, now we're into the second phase, you know, and what and the the, the first phase, which was, there seemed to have been all of these, uh, like coming into beingness, like starting in the mental and the mental reorganizing itself, then the emotional reorganizing itself, and now the physical organizing itself. It's just the most amazing process of, of coming into being. The action, the movement of the child coming into the physical, the steps of incarnation, the steps of consciousness, re-beginning or recognising where it is and yet being in this very vulnerable, small, enclosed, ensconced state, it's big. And I'm so intrigued about how the child will navigate and will have so much to share because none of this has been interfered with because it is coming through naturally. Mm. And yeah, there's been a lot of challenge in my own mind about being able to trust the child um, having miscarried so many times, much earlier on, certainly not at six months, um, having lost, having conceived and lost, conceived and lost multiple, multiple, multiple times, like so many times that I don't didn't even count them anymore. I absolutely. Well, I had a construct of what I felt was going on and I had a limited awareness of what I felt I could trust the child to be doing. I had a, a feeling of, the construct was, this feeling of, I can't do this, they can't do this, the baby's vulnerable, the baby's going to get lost, the baby's going to somehow slide out, you know, just, ta-da! You know, like it, like it had done through my miscarriages of conceiving and then losing and having 
late bleeding that was related to a conceived child, a conceived early being. It's a very um, different stage that I'm in now and different mental state and different emotional state that I'm able to, that I was able to navigate and that I am able to navigate now trusting the strength of the child. I think that might be something that even is even more problematic, more pathologized then the health of the mother is the health of the child, which, of course, the, the baton gets handed over to um, in pregnancy that, you know, you have to do this or your child will die or you're putting your child's life in danger. It's dangerous to birth at home, which is a lie. It's absolutely a lie. It's uh, statistically absolutely safer to birth at home when it's a choice and when the woman is educated, not talking about emergency unexpected women who want to go to hospital but end up birthing at home because it, it comes on too quickly. Um, yeah, the pathologising of this vulnerable little baby, which, of course, <sighs> you know, when you think of how many we are in the world and how many are birthed out of, out of hospital settings and out in the wild even, when you think of how you know, a hundred years ago, how many babies were being popped out here, there and everywhere and how strong they were and how resilient they were. Babies left in cradles in the in the rushes on the Nile. <laughs> babies left on church doorsteps in the middle of winter, etc., etc. Babies have been flourishing lifefully and their vital force has been strong for millennia and multiple millennia and the idea that suddenly now we're all really weak and feeble and we all need like fucking plugs and injections and interference to be whisked away from our mother and put in little boxes and such like that's sheer psychosis sheer psychosis and the vitality of the child comes from being immediately close to the mother, comes from being in an integrated mother, comes from being one. And being trusted to do what they're doing also. I don't know the exact science of it, but I've always felt that the my vague understanding and intuition and in instinct about it all is that the child is actually growing themselves, growing under their own steam. They're having the support of the woman, they're in the womb space, but they're actually growing under their own capacity to grow. And then they're birthing symbiotically with this. They're not passively being being ejected, <laughs> which even the the fetal ejection ejection reflex is kind of a I don't know it just it's just a pointless term like why would we have to put a term like that on it it just makes it sound like it's a mechanical churning out of babies it's just a nonsense why aren't we speaking about it poetically and making amazing paintings about it you know like why are we not making songs and dances about it you know because art has been taken away from the heart and the hearth of 
our community and our, our holistic oneness. So yeah, this, this autonomous path is really standing alone with the intention of bringing the tribe back together, with the intention of bringing art and heart back to the centre of things. And that can only come like that. We can only be fully in tune with our cervix and our womb and our heart and have them all connected if we're relaxed and educated and uneducated from or or de-educated from what we've been conditioned into. Especially about the baby being this this horribly frail little flawed being, this little damaged little grub that's getting popped out by the by the medical system pushing. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty distorted, eh? Um but yeah in my own mind in the last couple of weeks I, I really had to contend with that, let that come up and I think in most well, in conventional education, the woman is taught that as soon as she has a fear, that the fear should be used as a token to go on this little magical mystery tour. Like it used as a ticket to, you know, the fear go is actioned by a call to the doctor, you know, an ambulance or a car ride to the hospital, emergency procedures, da 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 But when we understand that our fear is always a superficial thing, unless it's like a deep, whole-bodied, ah, I need physical intervention from, the, from this, but that's not what's happening the majority of the time. The majority of the time nowadays is that our fear is our, our contract. It's our contraction into a system that is feeding off us, that we're paying our sweat equity to, to take something from us and they're taking our power, they're taking our wisdom, our intelligence, taking our vitality and taking our responsibility, our ability to respond, our right response to act in a way that is going to realise a healthy mother and child who have evolved together and brought each other into the world in a fantastically beautiful and powerful new way. Of course, the doctors want to interfere with that. They get fucking paid to for doing so, of course. Nurses want to fiddle and pull and poke and diminish the woman and intimidate her. Of course, the whole system and all the admins and so on want to harass and cajole and... In, and interfere because they're all getting paid really good wages for it you know I'm not getting paid for what I'm doing but I'm doing the most important work in the world and I know that I know it in all my being my whole being and the cosmos attached to my whole being is telling me that you know I'm not a crazy radical but I am radically rooted I'm rooted radici roots I'm rooted energetically and I'm willing to do the work. I'm being responsible. I'm being healthy. 
through listening to all the small signs and taking meaning from them, not giving the meaning for someone else to make, but giving meaning to me and ultimately it all means life. I will get the sign where the life wants to go next and what the life needs and the more I do that, the more clear it is, the more, not without effort, but the effort is aligned, therefore the effort is easy. It's just what needs to be done. It's just the action that is required and the action that I'm called to do. And because I'm called to do it, the feeling is to do that action. There's no like, oh, I really don't want to do this. And oh, I'm exhausted and I'm too tired to do that now. And I'd rather not do it. There's none of that. It's just what needs to be done in the moment. And I feel that everything that I'm learning about this, all of this cosmic download and all of this beautiful truth that I'm getting through through gestating it's exactly what I need to know about life too it's informing me how to bring a child through the world into the world in a healthy way but it's also teaching me how I can be in the world in a much healthier way as I've always been being informed by the universe I've been guided and had signs from the universe for for all these years but they've become clearer and stronger the more I've followed them and yeah there's the signs that I get now are pretty just pretty elegantly worded mostly and very easy to assimilate and take direction from as it were I'm just using like signs and directions just a kind of abstract language as loose a language as I can use for things that are naturally beautifully poetically <laughs> simply um unfolding mm. So, yeah, onwards, onwards and expansively. <laughs> I'm going to go and have a wee walk now and catch up with a friend and stretch my limbs. Sitting here getting charged by the sun along with the, my little solar panel. I love it. It's really exciting. <laughs> I've actually got bigger solar panels that are going to arrive soon um, on, their, on their way from Germany via France. Thanks to the gifts of some amazing, amazing supportive friends who love my work and who support me spiritually and as a, a long distance community. <clears throat> um, my friend gifted this stove, that, stove boiler that arrived yesterday, which I'm extremely excited about. I'm going to get plumbed in next week. And another friend gifted me funds that I could buy these solar panels that are going to be foldable solar panels panels on the on the um, balcony so yeah autonomy on all these levels it just naturally comes the the natural autonomy of physical things like not using the national grid and not having to pay through the teeth for it and not having the corporations gamble and 
just take and take and play with our energy and our money and our consciousness. Um, it's such a such a, a a natural unfolding and metaphor for how the inner and the outer worlds move towards autonomy together, and um, and keep moving and keep keep going towards expansion, towards freedom, towards life joyfully expressing itself, and towards overcoming all of the hurdles and obstacles and even even the really big ones and always coming back to wholeness coming back to connection and symbiosis if you would love to support my work do connect with my my page claire gaia sophia if you look up c-l-a-r-e dot gaia sophia You'll find me. That's my my website is clairegaiasophia.com. All new website um, that just got published yesterday or the day before. And a beautiful um, gifting page there that has all the details of how to gift my work and support it. Please remember that I do live in gift, which means that I give to you this work and that in return, I don't expect a gift contractually with you but the right thing is to reward good work or work that has given you some gift and it's up to you how you do that or whether you do that the gift will be returned to me either way because the universe supports me so it shouldn't be an obligation if somebody doesn't have money or if they don't want to give money if they just want to take it's up to me to organize how I subsist even if nobody wants to reward my work, which has been happening for a long time. But if you do want to reward my work and you feel right about it, then please do yeah, on the gift page of my website. All different ways you can do it. Merit earned, radiating out to you, out to the collective. Do reach out if you would like any living conversation around what this is that we're doing as mothers and what the mother power is and what the womb power is. Healing, trusting our bodies, just reach out. This is my, my passion and my absolute life purpose, alchemizing and activating. So I'm here and would love to have living conversation with you. Yeah, support me on my Patreon is the best way to stay in touch regularly and reward me in a way that I can ongoingly do my work and so that I can be available to as many folk as possible one-on-one um, -on -one. and able to able to give the the best of my beingness to them in the right time and place um, so yeah yeah, the Patreon container is very important to me. As small as my income monthly is through there, it's still a very important container. Yeah, very essential to me plodding along in the fiat world. Love to you, my beautiful, beautiful friend. Look forward to sharing more. Mm. Blessings.